It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, Shine bright like a diamond, as I believe Rihanna said. Uh, We wanted to do a fun one today. (laughs) At least I really did, especially because we have some dark water ahead. So here we go. No fooling. If you read the title, today's episode is about glitter. Seriously. Glittery water, perhaps, ahead as well. (laughs) Oh, yes. Glittery water before we get to the dark stuff uh, toward the end of the year. Look, you know, some people love glitter. Some people hate it. But every single person listening now, we all know what we're talking about when we say glitter. This shiny stuff has also been called the herpes of the arts and crafts world, a joke I appreciated because it does seem, uh, no law fair, you use the word insidious, with which I agree, it seems to get everywhere. Even when you don't want it to, glitter does not care about your consent. It doesn't care <laughs> what you're doing later that day, that week, or you know, even months after that when you pick up that coat because the weather has changed. Uh, you know, the full disclosure, fellow conspiracy realist, uh, the three of us, well, the four of us, counting Paul, aren't uh, especially glitter people. We don't wake up and go to sleep 
dreaming of glitter. Uh, but we uh, we learned fairly recently that glitter may be much more than a scintillating cousin of confetti. In fact, it is associated with a surprising amount of mystery and conspiracy. So first things first, here are the facts. Riddle me this. What, what is glitter? What, what is it? Stardust. Though? Is it right? stardust? It's magical. Like pixie dust? Magical stardust. Uh, it's created by the, the, the fae people uh, in trees, presumably. Uh, no, it's not that at all. It's an industrial uh, grade material, basically, that's uh, cut into tiny pieces that are impossible to uh, recover or to remove from wherever they find their way. Yes, and it's got a fun real name, I guess. It was fun trying to put P-H and T-H together. <laughs> that's that's not a fun uh, thing to do. Oh, I guess it is an exciting thing to do for your mouth, but in the end, it's not fun for anybody who's listening. But uh, polyethylene terephthalate. Yes, nailed it, man. Uh, aluminum metallized polyethylene ter- ter- terephthalate. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Metalized. What does that even mean? Is it something either metal or it's not? How does something become metalized? It's like, uh, so potato chip bags are crisp for our friends across the pond. Uh, They are metalized. Essentially, what you do is you take aluminum and you evaporate it in a very, very thin layer across a substance, right? A substrate. Uh, It's... It's weird. It sounds like we're just throwing a bunch of words at you without really answering the question. What is glitter? <laughs> uh, but okay, let's let's get even. Uh, let's be even less helpful. Uh, there's a fantastic New York Times article, uh, several uh, that informed our research here, uh, and uh, one put it this way: uh, as weird as it sounds, reading this, you'll walk away with the idea that glitter is made from well. Glitter. You start with a big old sheet of the stuff, <laughs> right? Like a mm-hmm. like a plastic or cellulose base, and and then it's been metallicized, often with aluminum, and then you just keep cutting it, and you cut it smaller and smaller. The New York Times uh, article in specific said, "Quote: Big glitter begets smaller glitter. Smaller glitter gets everywhere. All glitter is impossible to remove. Surreal." Remember that really embarrassing scene from, I think it's uh, Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace, where Anakin is bemoaning sand, the idea of sand. You can just replace the word sand in his little speech with glitter, which I'm going to do. I don't like glitter. I don't like glitter at all. It's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Yes, well done. And look, we, we can give you a little bit of the history of what we could call modern glitter, uh, most folks agree the modern version of plastic glitter dates back to the 1930s. Uh, and, and a big part of that uh, is due to, like when you say modern glitter, we're talking about kind of a plastic base. Um, a lot of modern glitter really comes from shortages during, during uh, global wars because people used to make glass glitter, little shards of glass, they, ran, they couldn't uh, maintain trade supply with Germany that was making a lot of glass shards. So this guy, who we'll talk about in a second, he, uh, this guy named Henry, he starts making uh, plastic-based glitter. But if you look back through the crazy game that we call humanity, this nutso fad, then you will see that people have been into 
shiny stuff. Uh, most people, I, I am not, but most people have been into really shiny, gleaming stuff since before people wrote things down, before language was invented. People were all about, people were part Mac by. I was about to say, your 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 pals, the, the uh, what do you call them? The Corvids. The Corvids. I was going to say, they he's mostly Corvid out for miles. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Just a, just a guy who does a show with you. We don't, we don't need to. You know what? When it comes to my past and being very Glitterex, very Meadowbrook, though we don't need to know. Isn't that funny though? That there's this like little thing in our deep in our reptile brains that just seeks the shine, man. Like Gold Rush is all based on the glimmer. It's all yeah. based on that shiny stuff, and that's how you know it's special. And glitter is essentially sort of like gaming that part of our brains with something essentially worthless, but that sort of like gives us a similar dopamine hit to the stuff that's actually quote unquote valuable. That's why in those ancient times that you're talking about there, Ben, like prehistoric times that's why people decided to put shiny on their face and on their arms and in places that would make them shine to others it's all about sh being shiny for you their weenuses witness me you know, witness me uh, <laughs> oh, <God. they> also, <laughs> i don't know i i didn't agree with his religion until i saw his shiny weenuses uh that man's on to something <laughs> can we just put this to bed real quick it's weenus is not a scientific term. I think we've, we surely have discussed this before, but I don't know where that came about, but weenus is not actually <laughs> an official right. name for the part of your elbow that's like, it feels no that's pain. That's true. That's true. And that's an important fact to establish. This is the, uh, the quality of discourse you can expect from our show. Weenus, not a scientific term so far as we know. Somebody fact check us there just in case. Uh, I don't want a weenus doctor writing to us and say, you know, actually... I'm the leading weenusologist of uh, southern New Jersey, and you guys are being quite offensive. Uh, there was one interesting thing uh, that I didn't, I don't think we talked about in the notes, but the um, there, there's a fascinating theory that the attraction to things that shine and reflect light in that specific way comes from the need to find potable water. Like you could see water reflecting and that might be partial. I don't think it's a hundred percent explanation, but it is really fascinating, you know? Um, but also to your earlier point, Matt, ancient people had cosmetics, you know, they wanted to pop just the same way that, you know, your friends, your loved ones, maybe you uh, like to pop or make a statement when you enter a room, uh, they, all sorts of stuff was used. Malachite, hematite, Crushed beetles, mica dust was very popular for a time. The list goes on. You know, we're etymology nerds here, folks. In the word in the English language, glitter comes from glitterin, which probably comes from an old Norse phrase, glitra. So we're talking always about a new iteration of an ancient concept. Let's get back to our let's get back to our machine guy, though. Can we introduce the guy who in uh can we introduce the guy who introduced the modern world to modern glitter? Can I just say first, modern glitter, great name for like a new wave kind of synth band. Modern glitter. That, if that doesn't already exist, it should. Yeah, the guy in question, Henry F. Rushman. Oh, Henry F. Uh, Henry invented a, he is New Jersey based. He invented a mechanical uh, cutting machine, essentially, for um, paper and for uh, photo film. Like if you ever 
if you remember your grade school days, Matt, you're doing the correct gesture, right? That that weird elbow arm thing that only existed to slice stuff. It was not multifunctional. Yeah. And only existed behind the desk in like the office, the main, you know, and it was always like, you know, this like sacred thing that looked so scary and dangerous. And yeah, uh, super it was under dangerous. lock and key. Oh, God. Yeah. It's like a little mini guillotine. Little kid fingers against that thing? No chance. Evolution, I say. But uh, but there's also, you know, this reminds me, there's this whole panoply of these specific single-use tools that teachers possessed. They were, in, they were the vestments of power. Yeah, the hole punch, uh, the lamination machine is another one. That one was super off the books for the civilian population. And overhead projectors. I was just uh, talking about that uh, off-air, hanging out with some folks. Overhead projectors. You remember those? Yeah, they always came on a cart, kind of strapped mm-hmm. down, so you wouldn't like make off right. with it. Like, <laughs> so uh, uh, we're probably we're probably giving some people some nostalgia here, and let's go ahead and, and mine that vein. So this guy's machine, Henry's machine, is pretty good, you know, uh, but it does something that he and his employees start to think of as stuttering. So every so often, while this thing is cutting up film and it's cutting up paper, it has a little like shiver, shiver fart, and it farts out these tiny pieces of cellulose used in film. And so employees started saving this stuff, and they would use it on their Christmas trees as artificial snow. That's pretty wholesome, especially for our show. And I, I, we, I imagine we may get to this, but like tinsel seems like the more elongated cousin to glitter. Tinsel is like a similar kind of, you know, metalized kind of material that comes in these strands um, that you would also, of course, use to decorate your Christmas tree, but probably similarly chemically and weird. It's like glitter sketty. Yes. You know? Finally, mm-hmm. the answer to the question no Italian asked why can't glitter be like more like spaghetti? Uh, so the uh, <laughs> look, this is this is true. That's a really good observation. Like we're already starting to see how this happy accident acquires a number of applications. If you fast forward to the modern day, there's not just one glitter. There are over twenty thousand different varieties of glitter that we know of, and I feel comfortable saying that in the context of this episode. <laughs> Some have yet to be discovered. There's a whole periodic <laughs> right, uh, periodic table of elements of glitter and all the glitterati, all the uh, all those in the know, the glitterologist and uh, the weenologist and so on. They uh, they know that there are other types of glitter that may theoretically exist in this universe. And so we want to thank them for their service and their hard work uh, finding the, <laughs> the next okay this analogy is breaking down moving on well speaking of breaking down i mean there like you said ben there's aluminum is probably the the most obvious go-to that like is easier to kind of like you know wrap your head around it looks like that it makes sense then you have stuff like titanium dioxide iron oxide and uh, bismuth oxychloride Oh, finally. Good. Yeah. Bismuth oxychloride. Uh, Our sponsor, Illumination Global Unlimited, wants you to know that you can write to IlluminationGlobalUnlimited.com slash conspiracy and get 15% off your bismuth oxychloride needs. That is not true. No one check it. (laughs) Okay. Make sure. Yeah. Make sure to read uh, the disclaimer at the end. It's a little long, but worth your time. Mm. 
and it's worth your time, Fjord. So the there there are also a lot of shapes, right? Just like you know, this here's a good comparison: Campbell's soup, right? Campbell's mm-hmm. soup little, has uh, mix ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got chicken and rice, you got chicken and stars, you got chicken and noodles. Uh, you can take these things, just like noodles, or just like, you know, the basic carbohydrate making up these things. You can make glitter in any number of shapes. You want little stars? We got you. You want little, little like, you want little bells? You, you got, you need some sparkly, tiny bells? For the holidays or whatever. Bell, any bell, you know, oriented occasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is, and, and of course, again, these all come with uh, tons of different color possibilities, tons of different elements with which these are manufactured. But one thing that we ran into that really set the tone or foreshadowed our mystery today is, I don't know about you guys, I think we all were, I was looking for some very basic statistics. Typically, not always, but typically in any kind of consumer industry, it's pretty easy to find usage statistics of some sort for a thing. The Dairy Association really wants you to know how much cheese, milk, uh, you know, how many eggs people are eating this year versus last year. Not so with glitter. They're incredibly hesitant. The, the glitter manufacturers are incredibly hesitant to share even basic stuff like the exact sales numbers, um, the exact amount of uh, glitter made per year in general, um, even even the statistics that I was able to pull didn't quite get us there. And there's not a lot of verified information out there. Um, but it, it would be like uh, like imagine going to a car manufacturer and you ask them, how many cars do you make a year? And they say, no. <laughs> that's yeah that wow okay <laughs> or they, they say the they it was what would be even worse to me and it's kind of what happened in this situation is well you know we make a lot of cars we make uh cars for rental companies we make cars for consumers we we make cars for you know big corporations for fleets we make cars for a lot of things then there's this whole other category that is just a black hole you will never know where these cars are going. And uh, don't ask again, or we will have you killed. One statistic I did find that was interesting is, um, I believe it is for Glitterex, I did find the minimum order that you have to place. It's 10 pounds of glitter. That gives me nightmares. That's the minimum order. It's a lot. Yeah, 10 pounds? Glitter doesn't weigh anything. It doesn't weigh anything. Come on. That's a good like big, bachelorette party, does. right? That's a bachelorette party that will. I mean, think about ten stay pounds. You. you could bench that. Yeah, yeah. You can like brain somebody with ten. What does ten pounds of glitter even look like? Like it's just mind-boggling. it looks like a disaster waiting to happen. You drop that stuff and boom, it's the Big Bang. You know what I mean? Your room becomes a personal observatory, and it will haunt the generations who come after you. Because as we'll see, glitter adheres, glitter stays in surprising places. And speaking of nothing existing in a vacuum, that stuff will exist in your vacuum forever. forever. You, you know, you just get a new vacuum. It's over, mm-hmm. man. That, it's it's going to shred the interior. And if it doesn't, it's just going to be stuck. And every time you vacuum, it's just going to like drop, make little droppings of glitter all throughout your house. Don't even bother. Yeah. 
I, uh, I even went through, I was, uh, cleaning out some of my library and I found a, um, I found a, a series of correspondences in this book, uh, from uh from a someone i used to know very gautier about that uh and the glitter was still there and it got like on my hands it got on one of my cats and i was like this lady cursed me and she knew she was doing it uh but maybe i'm being cynical point is we don't have the statistics if you are a glitter insider we would love to hear your take Uh, I'm even getting paranoid. I'm starting to see glitter everywhere in the course of researching today's episode. But we can say this, folks. A lot of people use glitter all of the time, and we know that consumption spikes massively around certain holidays, certain festivications. That makes sense, but that is barely a sliver of the inside world of glitter. Like if we think about the uses of glitter, potential and proven uses, this is where we run into some really strange water. I mean, first off, okay, we're talking uses. Costumes, decorations, totally, right? That's easy. Stationary, pens, markers, sparkle pens. You want to be the hottest uh, Lisa Frank fan in like middle school or whatever, you got you got a sparkle pen, right? Is that a thing still? I think so. It, it come, you know, where it's like suspended in kind of a weird liquid that's probably either some kind of alcohol. I, I, who knows what's in those things? But guys, I also just uh, Googled glitter bombs. I know that's a thing. There are no less than like five companies that make these like spring-loaded gag gifts that you can send an enemy in the mail that when upon opening will burst and explode in a, a, a fountain of glitter. Which that is that those are that is that means war. I mean, that is bad times. Who who would you do that to? Who deserves that kind of thing? I'll tell you, a friend of mine, I'm not going to name names because this is a weird story, but a friend of mine uh, a few years back sent uh, this couple sent their baby shower announcement with something like a glitter bomb. Like it wasn't proprietary glitter, but you know, you'd open the thing and then it's like, yeah, a bunch of glitter comes is this the gender reveal shower. thing. Is it blue or pink glitter? Or this is literally just announcing the birth. I was, you know what? I was not even concerned with that part. I, I just got in touch with my friend and I was like, dude, what, what is going on? What happened? And he said, he said, you know, it's my wife's idea. She likes glitter. And I said, okay, well, first off, congratulations. You know, I'm really happy for you. Secondly, I don't like glitter. <laughs> and, uh, Please do not uh, so, send this to me. Yeah, please don't. But uh, it but was Joe McCormick, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't know. Joe doesn't strike. He wouldn't <laughs> stand for that. Joe. Joe knows better. He. Yeah. He knows the, the our good the friend from stuff to blow your mind. You may recall him from our uh, excellent episode on the bicameral mind. Uh, do check it out. Uh, we'll we'll have to see Joe's take on glitter. Uh, there's another thing that might surprise. Well, this won't surprise anyone, right? Makeup. The makeup industry itself is uh, so, so ready for uh, good stuff they don't want you to know episode, but it makes sense. It makes up sense that uh, glitter would be in these cosmetic products. It gets weirder. Some of the base elements of what we would call glitter have been used in spacecraft. There are also military applications for a while the U.S. Air Force was using A glitter-like substance, now they want to be taken seriously, which we understand, so they didn't call it glitter, they called it chaff. That would be really funny 
if in the original Top Gun, you know, or with some of these movies, they're like, hit him with the glitter. Hit him with the glitter. <laughs> Dude, that stuff gets in your eyes and you inhale it. I mean, that could be a deadly weapon if used correctly. Well, you know, it'll some make sort of a, like propulsive. Yeah. It'll make a, it'll cloud. confuse a heat seeking missile and enemy radar. <laughs> I'm sure. It also reminds me of in, in Breaking Bad, you know, when you see them gathering all the materials they need to make meth. I believe uh, like uh, aluminum, sort of like fragmented aluminum uh, that looks a lot like glitter is also a thing. So there is, you know, a version of this that isn't for public use. It is more for like industrial kind of chemical manufacture as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. And of course, the uh, the U.S. Air Force being a serious outfit is not going to say that they have jets farting glitter bombs out to bedevil satellites and radar-guided missiles, uh, but something very much like that is <laughs> happening. It is. It is jet farts. So uh, there was... Also known yeah. as chemtrails. Also known as chemtrails. There we go. We solved it. So uh, big thank you to a journalist over at Slate, Henry Grabar, who uh, looked into this and found that the Department of Defense, as of 2018, has only one supplier of chaff, of, you know, glitter. And this is a place called Easterline Defense Technologies, and they have a subsidiary called ArmTech. And when Henry reached out to ArmTech and to their parent company, he was able to confirm that their chaff is made of metalized glass fibers, so much closer to the old school glass glitter, and definitely something you do not want in your body, nor in the body of a loved one, because eating glass is, spoiler, bad for you. Yeah, it's like a prison thing, like a way to slow murder somebody is to like feed them ground glass or like put it in their food. Because mm -hmm. even if you can't detect it, it'll literally like eviscerate your insides slowly over time. So military aircraft are just shooting that stuff out every once in a while. And even in testing over, I guess, mostly the desert here in the U.S. and in other parts of the world. They're just shooting it out they're, in the atmosphere. They're helping the sand, Matt. And that's what we're going to find, Sandy. Ah. Sandy top. Ah. Okay, this is one of the weird ones for us. But anyway, we're not even at the so crazy part. This is a microplastic, right? I mean, it this, is. That's, that's what we're talking about here, correct? Yeah, the modern, yeah, the modern glitter, as we think of it now, uh, is getting everywhere. It might seem ephemeral when you are around it, but don't be fooled, especially the plastic-based stuff. It takes about a 1,000 years to completely biodegrade. It is a combination of aluminum and plastic most often, so depressingly, it starts off as a microplastic. And there are um, terrible terrible facts about microplastic. We've done them in previous episodes. Uh, there was a 2020 study that showed this stuff is small enough to become airborne into the water system. The next time it rains, as a matter of fact, regardless of where you're living, there, there are microplastics in that water. So don't, you know, look up and open your mouth. Just be careful. And like, that's not even our reveal. And, and through the water cycle, that stuff ends up back in the atmosphere and then kind of essentially cycles back in every single time. In right? fish, in children, in you, your loved ones, your dog, plants, any living thing. Uh, but it might surprise you folks uh, to learn that we 
are not focusing on the environmental consequences of this, uh, do check out our microplastics episode if you are having too good of a day. Instead, today we are asking, who is the biggest customer of this mysterious substance? Who is buying all this glitter? We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors and uh, heads up, folks. You might want to strap in. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. Edit me here, Paul. Who's the biggest customer of Glitter? No one f***ing knows. It's true, folks. You know, I like many people who are not in the glitter industry first learned of this strange mystery thanks to some great work over at the New York Times and The Cut in 2018. So uh, most of the glitter that we're aware of here in the States comes from a couple of different places, and most of it is built, built, cut, manufactured in New Jersey. Uh, the, actually, the, I think the biggest two are in New Jersey, correct? Or is that just the, the two that are in town, Ben? Biggest, uh, the biggest two definitely in the United States. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so we, we, we know the names of these. We got Meadowbrook and Meadowbrook. That's the same dude, uh, Henry, that we were talking about earlier. That's the company. It's just kind of, you know, gone down the line. Uh, and then the other one is called Glitter X. Glitter X. Mm. Not like SpaceX. It's like no, glitter no. EX. It's like one word. Yeah. Right, right. Like you have a glittery X. Uh, so Glitter X is the younger of the two companies, founded in 1963. Both companies are weirdly secret about some things. This might surprise a lot of us in the audience today because uh, I think many people tend to associate glitter with lighthearted, if occasionally annoying, fun. Glitter X is little Willy Wonka about their process. Not as much as Meadowbrook, but they don't want people on the outside to see how glitter is made, including their clients. They also don't reveal the names of those clients. And per the uh, leadership of GlitterX, that is a request of the clients themselves. We do know Revlon consented to uh, be identified as a GlitterX customer. And this this prompts me to float our very first theory out here. I'm going to pitch it to you guys. Fairies are real. Pixie dust is a thing. These companies are grinding up the uh, bodies of fairies and selling those parts in tiny, tiny parcels. Yeah? yeah? Mystery solved. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I'm not buying well, it, Ben. I'm not buying uh, it. Wow. Okay. Well, like, we need I mean, a unanimous ooh, vote. If, if, <laughs> If we're talking about Revlon and we know that glitter is like not good to be consumed or inhaled or whatever, I would think their use would be having it be suspended in some lip gloss or cosmetic of some kind, which I guess if it's on your eye, you're not, the chances of you eating it or inhaling it are very unlikely. You're not going to absorb it through your skin, but is it that kind of stuff for like a, like an eyeshadow or something like that? Definitely not a lip gloss because you'd be licking your lips and then you would likely consume it. I, I think for many people, if we're talking about 
the sparkling genre of glitter, it's pretty apparent when you see something glittery, right? Humans are prime, uh, uh, hardwired to identify it. So you see paint on a car or a boat, uh, you can tell that it's shiny, right? Uh, you see uh, maybe some makeup of some sort, uh, maybe an eyeshadow to that point, and you can tell it is shiny for some reason. Uh, this this is part of the mystery, right? Uh, do, does a company want people to know that they have glitter? Well, GlitterX claims that uh, the reason they are so uptight or so close to the chest about who is buying all this stuff they make is due to the demands of the clients themselves. And I think this is understandable. So companies don't want other competitors in their industry to know what glitter is in their products because it's, uh, it's insider info and it can help your competitor make something very close to or closer to your own unique project. And, and this is where we get to one of the most fun parts of this article by uh, Katie Weaver, credit where it's due. Uh, Katie Weaver, the journalist who investigates this story, uh, has a beautiful moment that I suggest we do as a dramatic reenactment between her and Lauren Dyer, who is a manager at GlitterX at the time. Uh, who, wants, who wants to play Weaver? Who wants to play Dyer? Oh, dealer's choice. I love this exchange, though. It is so bizarrely cagey. It makes no sense. Could I be Dyer? Is that okay? Totally, Matt. You feeling, you feeling Weaver-esque? Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me, Ms. Dyer. That's not part oh, of, of the, course. the thing. Of course. Happy to do it. I just like to have here this for conversation. transparency mainly, you know, just here to 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 shed a little light, you know. I really thank you. Yeah, a very sparkly light, and I love what you do. I love I love your your company, um, and I love the things. It's it's just one of my favorite things. Uh, so, can you tell me which industry is your biggest market? Oh, oh, God, no, <laughs> no, absolutely no, no, I can't. I I know who it is, but I I cannot I cannot divulge that information. Okay, but you know. What industry is your biggest market? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you would never guess. Never. Let's just leave it at that. Well, why can't you tell me? Because they don't want anyone to know. Dun-dun-dun. That it's glitter. Well done. Well done, folks. Uh, what is this it? What is this right. it? Oh, my God. And we we editorialized a little, but that is the basis of the conversation. Dyer goes on to say um, she seems tickled to know a secret. Uh, she also goes on uh, to almost reveal more than she meant to. There's definitely an I've said too much moment there uh, when, when Weaver asked, yeah, you'll it's recognize about like this stuff if I looked at her. Yeah. Right. But I really can't tell you. Which is just weird. It's like, why even go there? I mean, I guess her, you know, a PR person's job is to sort of be the human face of like a monolithic company. And that's what this person is doing an okay job at, sort of making a little bit of a joke about it. But then ultimately, just like there's a line that they, they are not willing to cross. And that line becomes very clear. Well, especially if it's a client demand. Right. You you have mm -hmm. you might have some hard lines, some bright lines that you cannot cross, uh, even if you don't think it's a big deal. This happens all the time when businesses work together. So 
without official confirmation from either Glitterex or Meadowbrook, which is somehow, again, even more tight-lipped, we are left with some intriguing theories. First, uh, we have to consider it appears to be a request to the clients. Companies out there don't want to be identified as uh, glitter consumers. And this is just this could just be a specific manufacturer of something that obviously has glitter elements in it, doesn't want their competitors to get the inside info. And then maybe, for instance, uh, just freestyling here, maybe they buy up all the glitter, right? And now you you have lost a key component of one of your uh, product ingredients. But the most intriguing question is something else. Is there some industry that uses glitter in a way the consumers or the public wouldn't like? Uh, for example, boat paint has been proposed as like a, a some sort of hidden buyer of glitter, but it's probably not. Actually, I'm going to say it's definitely not the biggest consumer. Honestly, most people also wouldn't care, nor would they be especially surprised to learn there was glitter in paint. Well, certainly we've seen, you know, candy paint, they call that, you know, in certain types of cars um, that, that are that have clearly some sort of suspended, shiny, you know, kind of like substance in them. You know, I mean, that's not that surprising. But that, that's the thing that we already know glitter is bad for the environment. So it's like to go a step further and be like, no, we don't want anyone to know that we're using glitter. Is it because it's a bad look? Is it a trade secret? Like, what is it? I don't get it. I think that's the big question here. And it does feel as though it, it sounds like an NDA thing to me. Like, mm -hmm. it's a trade secret. And and maybe it's not as nefarious as we think it might be. Or, uh, well, I, let's keep going. I want to get to the speculation section. We're really j diving into our pet theories about what it is. Well, and last thing for me really quickly, like even with like a trade secret, like a Coca-Cola recipe or something like that, you'll have certain ingredients that are on the list on the back and you'll have like a number of calories, but then there'll be some little vague part in the description of the ingredients that'll be like special herbs and spices or whatever it might be. But usually you kind of know what category of material you're dealing with. You know what I mean? Like this seems to go beyond that in an intriguing and kind of scary so, way. So to answer that earlier supposition, it it is likely a uh, a mix, a melange of uh, multiple considerations. Uh, what we're going to do now is pause for a word from our sponsor and to your suggestion, Matt. We're going to dive into some of the uh, wilder speculation. We're entering rabbit hole country. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text SNAG to 24 
888-424-2424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have returned, sparkling, shiny, uh, shiny and chrome. Uh, The wilder speculation goes through a number of different things. Uh, One of my favorite 
that I feel is disturbingly plausible goes to the military industrial complex and law enforcement. Let's just rip that bandaid off. Here's our big reveal. What about bombs? What about explosives? This can be a way to track an explosion. It's kind of similar to a thing the KGB did during the cold war. They would use this uh, substance that had the street name spy dust, and they would use this to trace American agents who are behind the curtain, uh, behind the iron curtain. And it's some versions of it show up in ultraviolet light, but you would never know it could be used to track you. If you got dusted, you would not, you would not immediately clock it the same way an unfortunate uh, victim of a, of a, of a crime might eat powdered glass. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that um, spokesperson for Glitterx was willing to say was that it's used sometimes in like animal feed so that they can like track it in their poop. That was a weird one. Like, like that's very interesting. And that sort of speaks to this, like the indestructibility of glitter, <laughs> which is fascinating to me. Like it, it, it cannot be, it's like neither created nor destroyed. I mean, it's certainly created, but once it exists, it's just there. And then it will, it will leave a trail, you know, wherever it ends up. And so you can use that to say, okay, this is where the thing went. And I, I think this is incredibly important, like going back to military uses, law enforcement uses, forensic uses. Uh, there's something people need to know about. They're called microtagants. Microtagants are a, a multi-layered, tiny microglitter thing added to commercial explosives. This means that if, some were, if someone were to say, use dynamite, in the commission of a crime, they could unknowingly leave evidence behind, and you don't need a, a ton of sophisticated gear to detect these things. Like a serviceable microscope will help you if you know what you're looking for. This um, persistence of glitter is something forensic investigators love. The same reason a lot of people hate it, it establishes a great trace. In fact, in real life, not some Law & Order episode. In real life, glitter has been used multiple times as evidence to help uh, seal the deal on criminal investigations. It's a, it's a really interesting concept because, as we said, there are over 20,000 different types of glitter, right? And if you're, let's say you're manufacturing explosives and you put a different kind of glitter in every batch of explosive that you put out, being able to then track that stuff, that's a, that's a really... It's a great idea. It's like ballistics, you know, or it's like a way of like understanding where the bullet was manufactured once you've pulled it out of the wall or whatever. What kind of like uh, rifling is on the barrel of the gun? Like these like certain little kind of like uh, indicators. Yes. But now imagine if you take that out a little further and you think about warheads, explosives that are used in missiles that are fired, bombs that are dropped, maybe a grenade that goes off somewhere, uh, or even a flashbang, or something like that that's used by law enforcement. If you, if you start associating glitter with all of those things that can maim, that can cause death, that can you know, be used as a, you know, a power of the state for control, you may not think about glitter at the Elton John farewell concert in the same way, right? <laughs> it's not as exciting anymore. It's not as fun anymore. It's like, ooh, yeah. So I can imagine why explosive manufacturers wouldn't want anybody to know that they use a lot that's of That's a it. good point. Oh, that's the reason. You're yes. 
There's another reason, though, and it's the same as market competition. You wouldn't want somebody to be able to mimic which one you're using. Yeah, mimic your work, because then you could say set up a false flag pretty easily. It definitely makes it easier than it would have been. So this is real. Like it's the, I know I am, <laughs> I know there was some skepticism in our group when I was like hyping up this glitter thing. And I said, we got to talk about it, but I, I hope we're delivering here, folks. Uh, there's another weird thing we got to tell you. This, <laughs> this one made no sense to me at first. What if, uh, what if glitter, what if the primary consumers of glitter are using it to make sand? Full disclosure, we're kind of walking out of our way here to uh, hip you to some weird sand facts. Don't let the Sahara fool you. Didn't know this till recently. Earth is slowly running out of sand. I know I know. Earth has been in a fire sale for a while and is running out of all sorts of stuff. Uh, what was it, Matt? Helium? Running out, or hydrogen? It's helium. Running out of that stuff. Uh, people are concerned about potable or drinkable water. Fertilizer. Fertilizer as well, right? Sand is... Uh, the second most consumed natural resource on the planet. Number one is water. Number two, as weird as it sounds, is sand. So what if... Well, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, you, you use sand to make glass, first of mm -hmm. all, right? Yeah. You use sand to make, uh, you know, sandboxes. That's one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sand castles. Um, yeah. Sand dunes are, I mean, no, but seriously, sand is a uh, manufacturing, um, it's an important manufacturing component. You use it to lubricate things. You know what I mean? Like in an industrial situation to make things slide off the line easier or not stick, you know, I mean, things we like use that. It in masonry, of course. Yeah. Uh, so the idea in this theory is that glitter could be used as a component to sand. Honestly, this argument is kind of spitballing just in my opinion. It, it, this is, again, our excuse to talk about sand facts. But, but there's something else. There's something that uh, we want to thank a Redditor for, a Redditor named Whooping Willow. We do not know whoops, but, uh, but I feel like we're familiar enough to call you that. Uh, I, hope, I hope that feels good. I hope that's a nickname you like. Uh, tip of the badger bag to you, whoops, because you, or we can call you WW, you built an intriguing case for, of all things, the food and beverage industry. So let's walk through this. Let's see what we think. Uh, Whoops is building an argument uh, that the primary secret consumer of glitter is the food and beverage industry. Okay, guys, hold on. Before we do that, and we're, we're going to get to that. So it's obviously a play on Weeping Willow, right? Uh, I think so. Do you think it's and whooping? whooping Crane. Well, it could be, oh, whooping, like a, but but it's like whooping like a switch, like you're getting like, a switch like getting your, from getting the your, willow, getting your butt kicked. Yeah, a whoop, like yeah, getting your getting your getting a whooping. I think like that's a whooping. Right. Wouldn't that be W H U P P I N? Unclear. I, don't know. I think it's a colloquial spelling. I, I think it depends on where what part of the global. Woods I feel you're like from. when people are talking about a whooping. Uh, if they're not from 1800s uh, Western Europe, then they're not going to have the G, the hard G at the end. That's a little too offensive. Oh, yeah, whooping. Whooping. yeah. Mm -hmm. got it. Okay, you're, you're right. But you guys like the mm -hmm. nickname okay. Whoops? Sorry. I hope you like it. Whoops. <laughs> no, Whoops is great, but I think Whooping Cough or Whooping Crane, it's a, it, look, the fact that we've talked about it for this long implies that there is a lot of great hidden meaning in this Reddit handle. So kudos to you. But what, what did this individual uh, assemble? Right. Whoop, whoop. All right. So 
Uh, Whoops says, look at this. Let's, uh, we already know that uh, Glitterex isn't going to spill the beans or toss their confetti or whatever. So Whoops looks at Meadowbrook and says, this website, and we confirm this, you can check this website today if you'd like. Uh, Their website has nine primary applications for glitter, cosmetic, adhesive, fashion, floral, greeting card, fiberglass, craft, printing, and aerosol. And then they list the different types of glitter, which are all pretty much what you would expect, including biodegradable. This is what Whoops finds interesting. Meadowbrook does sell biodegradable glitter, but doesn't list food or drink as an application. That's true. Also, if you go to the page, what's called like the color card for biodegradable glitter in specific, you will see that the the website lists the names and phone numbers for sales inquiries. And this is the only part of the site that lists those specific contact numbers, that contact information, the email and stuff. So if biodegradable glitter is a thing, why not make all glitter biodegradable? Does it limit you in your color palette? Is it less fun inherently? I don't, I don't get it. Like why, why, why are people still making non-biodegradable glitter, knowing what we know about how long it takes for glitter to biodegrade and how horrible microplastics are for the environment? Less cost effective, perhaps, at an economy of scale. That would be one of the first guesses, right? It's probably more expensive. Yep. Yeah. So this isn't watertight proof, but it had whoops wondering. Uh, it had whoops wondering whether uh, this was because this specific reach out uh, was because food manufacturers didn't want to be on the books putting their information on a website. They wanted to just call, you know. Johnny glitters and uh, get there, <laughs> get the glitter added to this cereal. I don't know if I, I mean, this is interesting. Whoops has other stuff they mention, like uh, there are a lot of flavor and fragrance companies in New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey has three times the national average of employment in those industries in particular. But there's one thing we have to point out biodegradable glitter is not the same as food-safe glitter necessarily. They should not be conflated. There is edible glitter that's used in, like, cake making and, like, you know, cocktails and stuff. It's, it's like, called edible glitter. And it is, again, it doesn't come in as many varieties of, uh, of, of, of shapes and sizes and, you know, colors, but it is a thing. And it's a, a very different manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. 100%. I'm just thinking about all the things I look at that are shiny and... Uh, I I happen to have a twenty dollar bill here. Okay, okay? I feel like you're big look, I'm us. a big deal. Yeah, I'm I'm a big deal. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm looking at this thing, mm-hmm. and I can't tell if it's really shiny or if my mind is telling me that it's shiny in this moment because I'm looking for it. You know, if I've got some kind the holographic of holographic bits, the plasticky type bits. What are we, what are we talking? There's about? a little on a twenty at least. The newer versions of a twenty. There's a gold bits part. Uh, yeah. on the bottom here that looks shiny, but it doesn't look like glitter necessarily. It's but more the like whole, metallic flake of some kind. But the whole thing has like a, a sheen shine to it. I what don't about know. the uh, security strip, Matt? Because if it's a if it's a twenty, it's a high enough denomination. 
to have that securities trip. I can teach you how to take. It's in there. It's I down can, the yeah, middle, right? I can teach you how to take them out if you want. It won't be very helpful. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Please don't. Please, the please tweezer, don't. I believe. You can just go in the <laughs> side. Yeah. And pull it out. You want a closer look. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah. The currency, uh, maybe using something like this, of course, paint, but paint is not super surprising. If it's not the food industry, yeah, then what could it be? Uh, this whoops makes a very compelling case for thinking about this. Um, could it be that cosmetic manufacturers don't want customers to know that various top tier exfoliants or whatever are just basically glitter, a little bit of snake oil or panacea to make or placebo rather to make you make you feel like it's worth it to pay fifty dollars a bottle? Maybe. But those have to pass FDA, you know, tests. And I don't think the FDA would give a pass to something that had something that carcinogenic in it. Exfoliants are usually like pumice or some kind of, you know, organic material. And they, they have to pass some level of rigor with, with the FDA. So I don't know that I necessarily believe that. Yeah, I'm still on the fence myself uh, because there are other things that we have to consider. Maybe the bulk of this investigation is going in the wrong direction. People think of glitter as always sparkling, but that's not the case. If you look at, and this is coming from the CEOs of GlitterX, if you look at clear glitter, the clear stuff that will become glitter before it gets colorized and all that jazz, it looks a lot like tiny pieces of a dead jellyfish. You can also make matte glitter, M-A-T-T-E. Uh, yeah, just, what yeah, up? well, it's, oh, it's not like no, you, sorry, not cause me. you have a sparkling personality, Matt. This stuff is flat and dull, but it's still technically glitter. We just haven't added the shiny. So it could be, it could be that opens the door. It could be a number of other things. And at this point, like, we don't know the answer. I like explosives for it. I like military applications. I love it. No, that makes so, so much sense. The tracking quality. Oh, God. The tracking, man. It also it, it feeds into our whole annoyance with glitter. The fact that it just you can't get rid of it. And it's like a breadcrumb trail. And if and like the fact that like like with ballistics, you would not want some other manufacturer to know which one was yours because then they might use the same one. And then it would be they might get blamed for something that, that, that they were not responsible for. And again, when I say responsible, we know manufacturers of weapons don't typically take responsibility for anything, but it's a liability. Yeah, thing. it's a, and it's a you know it's a security risk too, right? Uh, if it's in impairing the potential operation of whatever you're using, and we unfortunately have to be vague about that. No one has solved this. If you again, if you are a glitter insider. We hope this is uh, at least giving you a chuckle. We would also love to hear from you because we can draw the following conclusion. One thing is for sure, when it comes to glitter, there's definitely stuff they don't want you to know. And I've got to ask you, Matt. I've got to ask you, Noel. Uh, I know this was one of those. We work together pretty closely, folks. So we are... Um, we're always kind of brainstorming and cogitating. This is one of those episodes where we're pitching it around. Nobody flat out said, no, this is weird. Don't do it. But there were some on it, like very, very diplomatic questions of what the hell. I thought it was mainly going to be in the kind of like environmental, you know, hazard area. But this whole like, is it in bombs thing? 
And we don't know, but it like, oh, that, that, I think this is the quintessential stuff that I want you to know. And that whole conversation from that uh, cut article, really, when you have that level of subterfuge or that level of like non-transparency, you know, in a highly regulated world of manufacturing, that's pretty rare. And, and that really makes, made my spidey so that's sense my question. Do you, do you guys think this was worth it? Yeah, it's totally worth it. I think though we are being we are taking the bait of big glitter. I think they're worried that Elton John is retiring and Madonna's going away. <laughs> yeah, big glitter's worried that they're gonna lose a bunch of market share because all of these toothpaste. <laughs> we didn't even get to toothpaste. Soon. I think we may have mentioned dentifrices once. Is it really that big glitter? It's like these two companies. The, the ones that were big enough to make the conversation. Guys, I sent you a picture of Colgate, a specific, a specific type of Colgate. It's like shiny diamonds or some, some craziness. What is Ooh. it called? Let me find it. Colgate Max White. It's called Colgate Dirt, Dirt Mouth Filth Time. <laughs> it looks like smaller versions of those weird, like plasticky, melty breath freshener things kind of suspended in toothpaste. Yeah, but you're not supposed to swallow it. So what's the big deal? Not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah, uh, there was a toothpaste manufacturer got in trouble. Um, it may have been Colgate, right? With uh, with including uh, glitter in this stuff. And again, like you said, Matt, you're not supposed to eat it. But people started getting glitter in their teeth. And they're like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what nine out of ten uh, dentists led me to believe was a solid move on my part. Oh, you know, we didn't even talk about um, we're because we're we're talking about trade secrets, right? Um, car manufacturers' paints are all proprietary, right? So Honda makes different paints that Toy than Toyota, than Kia, than all of these manufacturers. But I am noticing that newer models of vehicles on the road today do seem even shinier than they were in the past. Well, with that, let us know, folks. You see, we we are here at the precipice of the current investigation. Uh, this is where we pass the sparkle pen to you. We hope this slightly lighter episode finds you hale and hearty in a mid-grand adventure. And we cannot wait to hear your thoughts. Who is buying all this glitter let us know. We try to be easy to find online. Correct. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And you can find us on YouTube, where we exist under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. Check out our Instagram. We've got some fun. Uh, we've been doing some kind of extra shoots and little virally, you know, potentially, hopefully, make it viral. Make it so. Uh, videos and reels and stuff. Uh, a particularly fun one about the moon uh, just dropped. And also memes and the like. Uh, you can find that account at the handle Conspiracy Stuff Show. If the social medias aren't your thing, you can give us a telephone call. Yes, that's correct. You can uh, speak directly to us through the magic of telephones. All you have to do is give us a call. Say it with me. one 833 You'll hear a voice that lets you know you're in a familiar place. You'll hear a beep like so. Beep. And then you'll have three minutes. They're yours. Those three minutes belong to you. Go nuts. Go ham. Uh, and then uh, let us know a nickname to use for you. Uh, we like nicknames. We just gave a random Redditor a nickname. Second, most importantly, let us know if we can use your name and or message on air. First, most importantly, if you need more than three minutes, don't censor yourself. Don't feel like you have to uh, keep calling. You can write it all down for us 
in an email. We read every single piece of correspondence we get. All you have to do is drop us a line where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.